At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, I love this guillotine attempt. His coaches told him to chase submissions. He did exactly that. I'm happy with myself for pushing through a little bit of adversity and getting the job done. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're at it. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. We were just chatting with our producer. Um, Matt and I today are going to be joined for the second time. Uh, by Andre Petrovsky, who's fighting Gerald Mearshart on the prelims of uh, this Saturday's massive um, card of uh, Aljamain, of course, is defending against Sean O'Malley. That's a fight that a lot of people wanted to see. And our pal, a uh, guy who's turned into such a great play-by-play uh, announcer is John Anik. Um, he's been on many times. He's always been a great one. I don't mean he used to suck. He's always been great. He's a, he's a friend of mine. I like him a lot. We're not friends. He hasn't. He hasn't... We haven't ever hung out, but I just, I've always enjoyed uh, talking to him. I've hung out with him before. I like He's constantly him. refusing my invitations. I seen a video, I seen recently you and your buddy Anthony Cumia on your, your uh, terrace. I told you that. Yeah, Anthony came over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. picture of us on the terrace and yeah. uh, it was nice. Little, little jelly. Why? You were always invited, but you don't want to come. No. No, well, always. It's funny how the word "always" and "never" is. Um, you mix those up a lot. Are you saying that you I, never I, get invited? I never was invited. I mean, sure, I'm invited when we're making a little extra cheddar, doing something for the UFC. But am I ever genuinely invited? Sure, you are always invited. You you have an open invitation to my home. Yeah, great. I should I should have some people over. At the end of this. Jimmy, that's actually not true. You did invite me over one time. I'm sorry. What a fucking I know ass. many times I've invited you, but you're very busy. This, um, let me know when we have Andre uh, Petrowski in. All right. By the we, way, Matt, before we bring in Andre, he's not here yet. Bye. Can we? Can we just say, bye. holy shit, that card on Saturday night, uh, Dos Anjos, Luque, that card was sickening. I mean, in a good way. It was just every fight was great um multiple multiple finishes um i do feel like many people uh i feel that uh hakeem dawadu won that fight and look i love cub swanson but i i don't feel that he won the fight i felt he was a good fight and cub is extremely tough and durable and he's never out of it and he fought well but i just felt that hakeem clearly won that fight well and again, by the way, props to Vicente Luque. And always a yes. game. I just think he was a little, I think the size is making a little, you, you know, you, I don't want to, I want to say the size more than the age, but we'll talk yeah, about yeah. that afterwards. Sure. Um, Cub Swanson, very emotional on the mic. This is the thing. Right after a fight, when you ask somebody's thoughts, it's very, it's rough to get a a good, a a. a if for someone to, right in, let me tell you as as far as what the did fight. he say, Max? I saw the fight, but I didn't see him on the mic after. Um, it was something. I think he was being honest on. He has to to watch it because I don't know if he he knows if he I, if he won or not. I gotta I gotta see. Yeah. I just knew he was emotional. To be honest with you, I I gotta see exactly what he said. I don't know, but it was more of a being. Can we play it? What the fuck kind of show do we have here? Yeah, let's play it. Play the fuck. Can, to, can we please play his speech in the octagon? That way we could just have a nice fresh. And we like and, just- and French subtitles for any French fans we have. Let's just start asking for shit that they can't do. We want French subtitles. Let's get Jake sweating like ah yeah yeah French. Hopefully we can get that because I would like to hear it. Yes, uh, and- are you getting it or no? Yeah, let us know because if you are, if you're Khalil, not, how good Matt did Khalil look? I mean, that was an extremely brief 
fight with Chris Dawkins, who has dropped a few in a row now. Uh, he's got three straight TKOs. This is what that sucks about that with Fordakis is uh wait, don't press play yet, we'll tell you. Uh is that Dacus went down to a new weight division now. You know what I mean? This was his first time, right? At, At light uh, heavyweight, yeah. Yes. So and he and guess what? I don't know if it's his first time in his life. He got rid of those love handles. He got yeah. some fucking he had at least a four pack. He had some abs in there. And he must have felt that I mean that feels good. The sure. problem is. Khalil Roundtree looks like a fucking old school He-Man figure. Google that. Yeah. And he moves like a fucking ninja. Yeah. Uh, it's the guy. That's, I mean, is that a guy you want to have a Muay Thai match with? And I think he wanted to switch it up with the takedowns, uh, but it didn't work out for him. So, no. I mean, I don't know. I like Dawkins, you know, and. Uh, Very much. Yeah. He's got he's to just get his, his, um, his legs underneath him. Uh, well, well, you know, we'll we'll see where he goes from here. But I know there's no quitting him. He's a tough, no. fucking silly guy, you know. Oh but wait Roundtree a minute! Looked, Hold on. Thing, no, Roundtree this... did look fucking amazing. Go Matt, ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I apologize, Matt. Is this his fourth straight oh. loss? Because they have Dawkins's old stat up. They have uh, Rosenstrike, Blades, and Lewis, and now this loss. This is his fourth straight loss. Uh, Khalil. Hey. You want to hear something really annoying? Hey, Dawkins! You're right. Wow. I like to be a... Jimmy, I just do that to make sure you listen. I, I unfortunately am, yeah. Sorry, kids kids listening out there. That is... um, It's almost... There's an old show called Abbott and Costello. It's really old. Oh, sorry. That was his fourth straight that he You're lost. right. Fourth. I was just looking at the record, and then I realized, wait a minute, Rosenstrike... That's not Khalil. Let's hear that. You want to hear the Cub Swanson? Oh, we, uh, see, are they uh, on uh, Andre's in the waiting room. So oh, wait, I guess... they got Andre. How about when we get back, we'll listen to this speech. But right yeah. now, let's bring in the great Andre Petrowski. Yeah, Jim Boise, easy little slut. Sorry, Yeah, Jimmy. there he is. Hey, Andre. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, Andre. Sorry. Not you. Not, not, not you. Did I even at the wrong I, time? Yo, it's been a while. It's been a minute, like the kids say, since you've been on here. Yeah. But are you talking, you to, are you talking dirty beard? to me already? Oh, he heard, Jimmy, Jimmy. He heard you insulting heard me. me. He heard me call you a dirty little uh, slut. slut. Yeah. And he thought I was talking to him. Andre, I am sorry. I was not talking to you, my uh, friend. Man. That's the, oh, he, <laughs> oh, he's upset. <laughs> Andre, what's up, man? What is up? Living the dream out here. How's your shoulder? My shoulder's good. Thanks for asking. I appreciate yeah. that. How long did it take you for to feel like, okay, I'm ready again? I took a full two months off. Like, no, all I did was ride the bike for two months. Right. No training whatsoever. And then I got stem cells and I did, um, and then I started doing rehab on it. And I did rehab for about six weeks. So all in all, I was out for like, I think almost three months. Did you do stem cells here or did you travel yeah. for them? Because they say, I'm sorry, Matt. They, they say overseas that they're better or if you leave the country, you get better treatments. The UFC hooked me up. They sent them to a place in Baltimore who, who was able um, to admit. Really? In Baltimore? And they worked. Yeah. And they were legit stem cells. They were like from the um, embryo. Is that where they take them? I don't know. They reproduce them, I think. I know so there's so much controversy around them, and there really shouldn't be because everyone who ha gets them says that they really help uh, heal injuries. Um, so is that the main part of your heal, your, your treatment was the stem cells? Yeah. Yeah, I did a bunch of, like, rehab, like strengthen strengthening the rotator cuff and whatnot. But to, if I'm being completely honest, I think that the two months off was probably the most beneficial. Just because I've been wrestling and doing jiu-jitsu since I was four years old, you know? Oh, shit. Wait, wrestling first, then jiu-jitsu? And how, yeah. how old were you when you did both? Four years old? Uh, 24. <laughs> wait, wait, say, wait, hold on. You're 28. Well, you started jiu-jitsu. Wait, 24? Yeah. Jiu-jitsu? I started doing jiu-jitsu. Oh, but you've been doing wrestling since how old? Four. Four. Three, four. three years old. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, so you probably took right to jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it immediately. How My first months, I literally did gi in the morning and no gi at night five days a week. 
oh, well, there's no better way than that to learn. Yeah. yeah. What did you, you prefer? Like Good. The first like two months is just defending guillotine, defending triangle, and then once you learn that, then it's off to the races. Now that makes it very exciting because you're going versus Gerald Mershot, and he's known. He has a ton of submission wins, and uh, and yeah, he's known for his grappling. So right there, that's so intriguing. Is this going to be one of those? You're, you're both so nasty on the floor. Let's just keep it banging type of thing going on here. I am certainly going to get takedowns at some point. Um, I yeah. feel really confident on my feet right now. Um, we, we, my coaches now have prepared for Gerald twice with Piper. Right. So we know what he likes and what he really doesn't like. And uh, I, I really do think that I can be extremely effective on the feet. Yeah, that seems to happen. Guys who are, you know, again, sometimes one guy will finally go, fuck it, and let's just go to the ground. But uh, guys who are so dangerous on the ground, a lot of times those fights just wind up standing. Um, and, and I don't know, is that, is that just out of a respect for each other or, or because um, you know what they're expecting, so you're trying to do something they're not expecting? I mean, I think the path of least resistance is, uh, is common. You know, if... If I'm a really good grappler, but I'm winning the stri the striking exchanges, like if it's not broke, why fix? Don't fix it, you know. Hey, I have a question, Andre. Yeah. You've had both submission wins and TKO and KO wins. Which is more satisfying, and why? I like the submissions because it further proves that I'm the best grappler in the division. And that's the argument that I continue to make. What was the, uh, what submission did you use? I had uh, Anaconda and arm triangle. And then my other one was a TKO. So I had four wins, three finishes. And that feels better than knocking somebody out. You like how you like that better. I mean, knocking someone out is great for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's great. What I'm trying to do is be the best grappler in this division. Well, now in your division, yeah. uh, Jim, is not learning segue. Is that nice? Yes, excellent. Well done. Oh, sorry. I'll tell you, I'll we'll bring that up later. But sorry, Andre, you have to see that. I get excited when I have a nice segue. But by me saying that, it ruins the whole segue. Yeah. Anyway, now I forgot my point. You were talking, I think you were going to mention Bo Nickel because you were yeah. talking about. I was going to mention Bo Nickel. Andre, I'm sorry. I'm not a yeah. professional fucking... I'm not Barbara Walters. Listen to me. <laughs> Bo Nichols, you say you're the best grappler. How? How could you say that? I'm hyping you up. I can say that because I've continued to call Bo out. We've tried to get him on Fury twice, and I've tried to fight him before. And all three times he said no. Interesting. You can be the best grappler in the division if you continue to turn down matchups. Why do you think he's saying no? Well, the first time uh, he said his manager reached out to um, Rob Haydeck, the Fury owner, asked if he could get him on the card. They offered my name. He said no. Then the second time he... Uh, he actually responded to one of my posts. I posted a picture of me wrestling his coach. And he said, uh, he's like, what are you talking about, bro? And I'm like, look, if you want to grapple, uh, we can do no leg locks. You know, I, at this point, I didn't expect him to fight me at three and oh, four and oh, I was like, we can do no leg locks and, uh, and you don't have to worry about getting hurt. And he was like, um, I'm, dude, I'm not fighting for peanuts. I'm not competing for peanuts. And I said, okay, if you're not competing for peanuts, let me know exactly how much you want. Cause I guarantee you, I can get you paid more than you just made on your contender series fight. I was like, if that's the only issue, then let's right. there. I'll make sure you get it. And he was like, oh, you got to reach out to my manager. No, in devil's advocate, that has to be fair. Cause he does have a huge name, you know, for a guy that's new yeah. to the sport. So obviously you'd like to just take that and just take it from him and build off that and get a win over him. That'd be phenomenal for you. So I get him being like, look, you might feel like I match up, but whoever my manager thinks is best is 
who I'll face. So I don't think it's a real detuck, but what may, is it just the fact that's that fine. Like, just watch yes. what you say from here on forward. What do you mean? Like if, if you're going to turn down matchups because they're not favorable to you, that's fine. But you can't sit there and say, you, no one has 10% of your grappling. Oh, oh, there you go. This is getting interesting. I don't, yeah. I like to hear this shit. I <laughs> miss it juicy, Jimmy. Yeah. Andre. Yeah, man. Tell us. So you feel, but you have to look at his wrestling credentials. I'm not like, I don't know offhand right now. You're 100% all your wrestling credentials, but if you look at them compared to his, he would be the more decorated guy. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. Dan, a Hodge trophy winner. Okay. Now, now that he, because, but the thing is this, this is not wrestling. This is right. MMA. Right. So you feel, Hey man, this ain't a wrestling match. This is MMA. I've seen Marab get out wrestled with guys in wrestling. I've seen him go versus the same guys in MMA and take them down. Just it's in, it, you wouldn't even think it's the same guys grappling. So MMA is different. Is it just that you feel you have his number with that because of your, your, your wrestling background? I don't know. And I still think that my wrestling now compared to what it was in college is just astronomically better. Oh, fuck yeah. Dude, I like it. Listen, man, how many guys are calling to fight him, Jimmy? I don't know. Right. Well, that's what saying. They're saying, look, nobody wants to fight Bo Nickel. And I'm sitting here saying, I want to fight Bo Nickel. Well, what's up? Why do I keep getting ignored? What's the deal here? That's no probably one wants why. To fight Bo Nickel, or do I continue to say I want to fight Bo Nickel? Well, maybe. Is there a Philly card coming up? I mean, is, there's talk about, like, what would it happen it's in Philadelphia? Crazy, they're supposed to be coming to Atlantic City in December. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I brought that up. Yep, that's yeah. Philly market. That's a Philadelphia market, Atlantic City. Um, yeah, and again, maybe some some guys are just. I mean, I'm sure Bo is not afraid of people, but you know, you're obviously not easy to deal with, and there's maybe less of an advantage to, to fighting you because, like, like so many guys, like Marab had that problem for a while where nobody wants to deal with this guy if they don't have to. Like, it's an extremely difficult fight. Uh, and there's just no reason to 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 deal with that unless you, you have to. Like when you have to, then you do. Maybe that's how he's looking at you. Jimmy, can I say this really quick? I feel Andre. I'm looking at your fights here. Listen, you're. I'm looking at your last couple of guys. I'm. I know who these guys are. I mean, Nick Nick Maximoff is uh, the Diaz brothers' boy. He's a dangerous. But guys who don't know him, he's a dangerous dude. Wellington Terman, dangerous fucking dude. But arguably, arguably. Arguably. That's what I said, did I? Yeah, yeah you of course. Yeah. A little tuck. I taught the 7 a.m. in the noon. I'm a little. You're you know, tired. I'm, I understand. I you're, tuck, you're tuckered out. You're yeah, tuckered a little tuckered. A little tuckered. <laughs> Arguably. I can't say. Why can't. Arguably. Listen, Jimmy you said. Got it. You had it. Gerald Mershaw. You know, could be the biggest name to date. So if you do something where you get a highlight, you get a fucking knockout, a submission. And then you you tell you get on that mic, you tell whoever's got it, who is it? DC, Anik, who's working that one? Rogan. Whoever's got the fucking mic, you say in the center of the octagon, give me Bo Nickel. Don't be so nice. You look like Leonidas with that fucking beard. This is <laughs> fucking spot of a motherfucker. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Andre. I'm getting excited for you. I, I I'm feeding off the energy. Thank you. Um, hey. This is your time to shine, man. Gerald is no slouch. He's no. got respect on his name. You take him out. Jimmy, don't look at me like I'm some like I'm freaking Frankenstein, please. I think you're right. I'm listening. I think you're correct. All right. What do you got to say, Andre? I like it. If DC's there, I got to talk to him. I heard DC has say in who goes in the video game. Really? What did DC That's say? Right. He said That's that he heard DC. Oh, you tell him. What did you say, Andre? He said... I heard that DC was telling people he has say and who goes into the video game. He has say. DC has that kind of pull. Yeah. Well, DC said that. You have to assume it's true. But I mean, I, I can tell people that I do too. It's up to me who goes in, and they would just be a little nicer to me. Wow, Jim, Jim would you yeah. make yourself a fighter in there? And you be in there, and you start pecking at the little fucking. Enemy? No, I'd make myself. I'd, I'd make myself a fucking ring girl, and just to annoy people, they right. see me and my fucking fat sides. Hold okay, up I, I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> listen, Andre, man, what else? Hey, listen, 
What do you like to do when you're not being a savage on the mats and in the cage? Well, give us a day off. What are you streaming? What are you reading? What are you playing with video games? Talk to us. Right now I'm reading Henry Gracie's 32 Principles. Wait a second here. Is this something new from the Gracie brothers? Uh, it's been out for a couple months. And what's one of the principles? The 32 principles of jujitsu or of life? Yeah, both. They, they, they're supposed to, in theory, apply both to jujitsu and in life. Okay. What's I, one? I, Was I, there one that resonated with you that you're like, first, okay, this theory made sense? First two were, uh, one was the attachment principle. So, you know, obviously in that, that's self-explanatory in jujitsu. The second sure. one was distance principle, managing distance in life, not only in jujitsu. Oh, okay. So oh. they cover both. Yeah. Wait a second here. We can't just breeze over that. It did. Now, listen, I'm all about measuring distance in a fight too close, too far. I got, you know, red zone, green zone, one, two, three. You, I That's get what he went into was the red zone and green zone. Yes, I get it. And I love it. But in fighting, I 100% get it. But in life, Andre, give us a nugget. Break open that fortune cookie. Let us know. what. Give us at least one example of the measuring your distance in life. And please don't make this a COVID thing. Like, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, am I ready for the mothership? Yeah, yeah. Many times Sorry. in my Go ahead. I've had teammates that weren't living right, weren't doing the right things, um, weren't weren't being men of principles, and sometimes you got to distance yourself. That is a perfect yeah. example. I how, love that analogy. How yeah. close you stay to people who are good in your life and how distant you keep people who are being unhealthy. Yeah, you have to manage those things. Because if you don't, you either you float too far away from good people or you wind up too close to people who are fucking up. So, yeah, that's uh, that's perfect. The distance but, and how you maintain relationships. Another example I could point out is if you see the distance that I keep from the sun, it's very nice. Jimmy's distance <laughs> is way off from the sun. Yeah, my, my like, distance Jimmy's is Jimmy's like I, a little hey, Eddie Munster. He looks like a little fucking lost boy. <laughs> he looks like he hangs up saying, Jimmy, could you get yes. some vitamin D, you little fuck? You're going to... I take the pills. I, I want to look young. I, I don't want to look older, so I take care. I make. I avoid the sun. I don't like the sun. It's very bad for you. I'm sorry about that. Uh, that last example was horrible. Uh, your was unfair. Was way Why is it not bad for you? Say again. I, I'm just nervous about skin cancers and stuff like that. Getting a little bit of sun is good, but I just worry about getting like uh, skin cancers and stuff like that. Can I play hey, devil? Man. Sure. Okay. So, what would you say to someone that is like? Hey, we were out in the sun for like thousands of years before, and we never had skin cancer. It would depend on what people you were talking about and how old that group of people lived. Like a lot, there's a lot more cancers now because people years ago didn't live as long. And I mean, like centuries ago, like, you know, there were, there were people would live to be 35, 40, 50. Um, so a lot of the cancers that developed later in life didn't happen. So I guess I would want to know what, what people do you mean? Right. I mean, that, that that's fair. But like, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I've heard of an overwhelming, uh, like from the Native American, historically Native American uh, right. population, I, I've never heard of a high um, amount of skin cancer. It's fun. I only, I, right. I, you know, I'm sure they don't have the doctors uh, diagnosing them. I also hear, though, I, I don't know if different ethnicities or people who are in the sun whose skin is darker. I'm thinking mostly of white people I know. Like, I don't know if I know anybody black or, 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 or Native American who's got. I'm sure they do, but, like, I'm just thinking, like, I can see it, like, on, on other white people. It's so obvious, and my people in my family have got it. So, yeah, maybe when you're, you're – I don't know what makes somebody's skin the color they are when they're Native American, but maybe that there's something in there that protects you from sun. I, I don't know. But I just know that, like, with my luck, I don't trust it. I'm pale, and people in my family have gotten it, but I just don't trust myself. Listen. So for a tan, or you'd be, you'd be more up to being in the sun? For a tan, I've, I've done spray tan once or twice just for, you know, but I, the, the sun is more fun, obviously. I mean, I like the sun, but I'm just Dude. like, ah, I'm 55 now. I have to start worrying about fucking wrinkling, too. I don't want to wrinkle either. 
Dude, right. you cannot <laughs> run from the Grim Reaper. That motherfucker. No, you're right, but I don't want to run towards it. him with my ass cheeks spread. I mean, I can, I can, you can, you can walk quickly ahead of him. You can't run Andre, from him. I want to apologize to my <laughs> fellow uh, This is I know Andre, I called you the dirty little slut earlier. Uh-huh, yeah, I know. You know. started with me calling you a little slut. It wasn't you. I was calling Jimmy. I don't know. I don't know where we went in this one. But I'm, yeah. a, I'm looking forward to your fight. That's all I yeah. know. Yeah, Andre, good luck on Saturday, man. It's a great okay. fight with you and Gerald. We love Gerald, too. Uh, and and this, this is a really uh, an awesome matchup. But I hope you get Bo Nickel. That's a fight I would love to see, um, especially since you've been calling for it so much. I would really like to see you and Bo get in the cage. Yeah, definitely Bo Nickel. If not Bo Nickel, maybe, uh, maybe I get on that the slap championships, slap fighting. I haven't watched it other than highlight clips, but it's just like for some reason I watch – I watch guys punching, and it doesn't affect me as much as watching guys slap. I guess because you're standing perfectly still and Are taking you about it. To but, have a beard like that in the slap, yeah. I feel I would have an advantage. Do you feel that cushions for the uh, the punching a little bit when you fight? Honestly, in MMA, yeah, I like really? that. That's honest. That's what I like. Back right. in the day, I was fighting, and Tony, there's a guy named Tony D'Souza. I'm going to mention him. People could Google him. He was a good grappler, man, from, like, Peru or somewhere. And uh, he was friends with BJ Penn. He was a good grappler, this guy Tony. But he had a big caveman beard. And they had a rule where you had to cut that shit off back in the day. Really? That's 20 years ago. Keep your beard, Andre. You're straight. Hey, man. You, you talk to Dana for me? You want, what do you want me to say? Oh, listen, I'm going to be out. What do you need me to say? I want to do this the slap championships. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, but I, I gotta be. I can't shave my beard. I don't oh, know what oh, the rule is with that. I don't even know if you have to. I, sorry, Jimmy. I thought there are, were people with beards in that. I'm, I'm, unless be. I'm wrong. It might be, dude. I don't know. I, I don't know if you have to shave, but I think that's amazing. I thought you were joking around. If you no, want no, to no. do that, yeah, yeah get slappy. Um, I'll I'm see looking you it up bro. right now. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be there. I'll be there in Boston. I'll see you over there, Andre. All right, let me know. Yeah, I'll good luck, Andre. I'll, I'll grab Dana when I'm with you. Go ahead, man. Let's get let's get him slapping people. Perfect. Andre, right. take care, man. Have good a good luck, fight brother. Saturday, man. See you, brother. All right, see you, brother. Take care, man. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is sponsored by VChain, the official blockchain partner of UFC. Just like the thrilling battles inside the octagon, VChain has embarked on a remarkable journey of its own as the UFC celebrates its 30th anniversary and continues to captivate the world with its explosive fights. Another revolution has quietly been taking place. VChain's approach to integrating blockchain in our daily lives puts you, the user, at its heart. Actions like driving an electric vehicle earn you credits and buying secondhand clothing can unlock perks and help create a sustainable ecosystem. Enabling interconnected biospheres is VChain's main goal to promote a shift on collective impact and encourage everyone to play their part. It's time to walk into this new era and witness the power of blockchain firsthand. Follow VChain official on Twitter to learn how to be involved in this exciting new era of technology. And let me spell that for you. V-E-C-H-A-I-N official, V-Chain official on Twitter. I like that. Andre's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he wants to slap, too. I don't know what the money is in slapping, though. Is it as good as UFC? Is it better or worse? Jimmy, I don't know. Can I tell you something fucking embarrassing? Sure. What? It's funny this morning. So, look. Now look, I'm. You know you, you know you uh, you know you text back and forth. Sure. Were you sexting? <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. No, you know you text back and forth. Like maybe you're texting somebody, and then you um, by accident you're you're texting somebody by accident somebody else. So I was texting my wife, and then there's this guy. I did something for Panini cards. I signed some cards like for Panini. Sure. Tops cards. So I'm, I'm dealing with this guy, Curtis, right? Nice guy. So I had to fill out something. Then it was like a W9 <laughs> So I thought he sent me the wrong one. So I thought I texted him back. And this is me. He said, well, you only need to fill out the first page or something like that. So my wife didn't know. I sent her the wrong thing. So this is me thinking I'm texting my wife. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Can I, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah. Let me hear it. Jimmy, it's not, it, it's a little embarrassing. That's okay. Once it, can, can, can I do one at a time? Okay. Yes. 
<laughs> Here we go. All right. So this is me thinking I'm texting my wife, but I'm really texting Curtis from Panini. I'll call him, and I'm at my school way. I taught the 7 a.m. class. Uh, I'm having a little break, having a little relaxation before my next class, and then I take a nap. And then, so that's where my head's at. And uh, and then I teach the new class and yada, yada. So my wife's at home. Yeah. I thought I was texting my wife. This is Curtis Panini. Uh, that's not his last name, but from the Panini cards. I'll call him. <clears throat> I'll call him when I'm with you later, beautiful. <laughs> this, is, this is, I don't know what I'm looking at. Ha ha. Gotta start class soon. And then I do a high 10 emoji with a heart. <laughs> now listen, I, I, I'm one of those guys that <laughs> have to, like, I tell my wife everything. And you have to, sometimes I say too much. Yep. Ready? This is my next one. Protein bar. Cheese it's bathroom then party <laughs> actually otherwise <laughs> it's not my wife so after i wrote to him that i said protein bar cheese it's bad and the cheese it's is protein uh -huh. <laughs> bathroom then party. yeah because you have to shed of course <laughs> I just want some card signs. He doesn't need to know your fucking toilet habits. <laughs> hey, beautiful. He's like, what the fuck is Matt Sarah? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, so then I go, oh, I go, well, now this is awkward. I go, and then I go, ha, ha, ha. And then I go, sorry, Curtis. My wife didn't see where to fill it out. Ha, ha, ha. Thank God I didn't say anything more embarrassing. Talk later. He didn't write back. <laughs> Oh. Hey, let's bring in uh, John Anik is in the waiting room. That makes me oh, very Jimmy. happy. Oh, that's embarrassing, Jimmy. That's embarrassing. I might have lost the cards. Hey, I hope he doesn't. Yeah, I we don't need you to sign anything. Oh. Hey, beautiful. I'd love to sign some cards for you. Protein bar, cheese it, bathroom, then party. He's probably like, this guy has an awful day planned. I don't want him signing anything. He's going to eat protein shit and then go to a party. Oh, that's embarrassing. I, it could have been worse, but yeah. Oh. There he is. Sorry, hey, John. We're in a bit of a crisis. We're in a crisis because Matt has been flirting with the guy from Panini Cards. <laughs> no, John Attic. Hi, John Attic. It's great to Hi. see you guys. Oh, it's great to see you guys. You too, buddy. John Attic, really cool. I was, I was supposed to sign some cards from Panini. I'm doing a thing back and forth for them, right? You know, you're texting somebody, then you text somebody by accident. I thought it was my wife. I'm filling out some papers. This is what I say to the guy. I'll call him when I'm with you later, beautiful. I don't know what I'm looking at. Ha ha. Gonna start class soon with an emoji heart with a high 10. Ready? Listen to this part. John Anik. Protein bar, cheese its bathroom, then party. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, now this is awkward. Ha uh ha. -huh. Sorry, Curtis. Anyway, <laughs> I'm out. If the guy didn't answer me back, is all no, I that's know. the worst part. He puts you on the I table. I signed 2,400 life. cards. I better not have. Anyway, John Attic, nice to see you. I think most of us can relate having been there. I think one time my mom like texted my wife something, but we don't need to get into all of that. Great to see you guys. I can't wait to go to my hometown, Boston, Massachusetts. Right. And uh, we'll see how all the New Yorkers can do uh, in the belly of the beast. You know, I think I saw McGregor fight Dennis Seaver in Boston uh, many years. I don't remember the rest of the card, but I want to say that was like around 2013 or 14. Do you remember that card, John? That sounds right. My memory is not the go-to one, my man. But uh, yeah. yes, that sounds very right. And uh, I did call his fight against Max Holloway in Boston back in the day. But there's always something special for me going back to that building as a former Celtics season ticket holder in the nosebleeds, right? Like I sat in the nosebleeds for the 02 and 03 Boston Celtics season. So uh, to be there with the UFC in that building with all those people who make a lot of noise that I can relate to is uh, very exciting. Do you see, uh, do you have old friends hitting you up for tickets in Boston? So funny. I just reached out to the UFC and humbly asked for four instead of my contractual two because, you know, my brothers and just a lot of people trying to get in the building and uh, we'll see what uh, what we can make happen. Hey, 
Speaking of plus ones, how's Ray Longo? Well, we just spoke with him. He's not at all happy with the Palace Station Wi-Fi, so he was particularly ornery this morning. And uh, for the most part, he has the highest public approval rating on our podcast, right? But today he wasn't in a great mood, and I had to acknowledge as such. And now all of his fans that maybe don't love me will be coming at me, and it is what it is. I'm just a truth teller. So if you're asking how he is in present form, he was not in a great mood today. Yeah, he's average, not great. Jimmy, I had so much fun on that podcast oh, Ray nice. gets kind of Ray gets happy for a second to, to see me then he gets instantly annoyed and it's so much fun because well, I get Ray's in Vegas Ray's in Vegas right now as you guys may know and he has a fighter on Dana White's contender series at the Pop front up. end at the front end of what is arguably the biggest week of his coaching career certainly up there right Chris Chris Weidman coming back and Aljo and everything else I mean I don't have to tell Maddie nor Jimmy this but so for Ray to be in Vegas on one hip a few days before UFC 292 is not ideal but he's a fucking soldier as you guys know yeah you know, you know I with my ADD I was talking to Aljo yesterday and I was inviting him to the annual Sarah BBQ which was phenomenal it was great was Jimmy, it fun? I, I wouldn't know. I wasn't invited. I did invite you, Jimmy. I, I, the last one, I think. Oh. The <laughs> thing is, it always, he always turns me down, Jimmy. Uh, John, John uh, this is the thing. Why don't I bring that up again about the, the barbecue? Aljo. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, <laughs> so I'm talking to Aljo. Aljo couldn't make it. Obviously, I think, listen, the fight's already, obviously the priority. He wanted the rest. And I just, this is what I said to him. I kept it very simple because things just shoot into my head. I go, dude, Jan got to him more than once. Jan got to him. Jan out grappled him. Jan ain't you. You know what I mean? And then I went back to talking about the barbecue and he's laughing. So, it, it, but it's true, man. He needs, I'm not, listen, I hold um, Aljo's grappling ability, not just wrestling, jujitsu, obviously, also. Yeah. Is such, just such a, uh, it's such a high degree. There's such a different in levels when it comes to grappling. I feel that if he gets a hold of him, it could be very well what happened to the Sanhagen when they met. He, it, it, listen, if we already know if Alto gets mount or back, if you do not lose the fight, you lose the round. Right. You know what I mean? That's why they call him the backpack. We know that Sean knows this, you know, but at the same time, he couldn't stop Jan from getting to him. You know what I mean? Well, we had this conversation with Ray today, and I said, certainly Ooh. if I am a coach of Aljamain Sterling, I draw a lot of confidence from some of those situations in the Piotr Jan fight, because certainly if Aljamain Sterling gets those positions and gets them early in a round, caution flammable for Sean O'Malley. But let me say this to you. Uh and even though I do think all things being equal, grappling and wrestling is greater than striking, right? It's more of an yeah. advantage, right? But Aljamain Sterling has never faced a striker like Sean O'Malley. The combination of athleticism, distance management, length, speed, power. Sean O'Malley has a lot of things, and these rounds do begin on the feet. He also has been having a lot of grappling-heavy training camps. He has been training for this Aljamain Sterling fight essentially since the Piotr Jan fight, which was damaging, but it was last October. So, And this fight is happening on Sean O'Malley's calendar, not on the champion's calendar, right? Aljo just went five hard with Henry Cejudo in early May, you know? So while some people suggest that I'm some Aljamain Sterling apologist because of my relationship with Ray Longo, I would submit to you that the carpet has been laid out pretty well for Sean O'Malley in terms of the calendar uh, to try to take advantage and have the best sort of setting to try to create a win over Aljamain Sterling. He's a huge underdog, you know, uh, because of a lot of the reasons that Maddie outlined, but it's a fascinating fight. And uh, Sean O'Malley is a, a really good fighter. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do with the opportunity. I think Aljo wins because I do think like I, I'm the same as you. I think that a guy who's devastating on the ground just has an advantage. You can get caught going in. Sure. But I, I think Aljo will find it. Most guys on the ground will find a way to get a hold of you once or twice. And I think that's all Aljamain will need. O'Malley is a longer fighter, though, than Piotr Jan. Um, and he's, uh, he throws, I think he's a, a kind of a, a harder guy to figure out. I think he moves a little bit better uh, around the cage. He has uh, really good kicks. And he's just a little bit more awkward. Um, not that Jan is easy to prepare for, but uh, I still think Aljamain beats him. I think he takes him down. But I, I think O'Malley is a more dangerous striker. I understand that he's a sharpshooter, O'Malley. He's very accurate. He has good feints, but I'm maybe maybe I'm so confident because even though most of Aljo's camp 
was over in um, Vegas. He they were sending him sparring daily. So we've I've seen him sparring, and where he's at, and man, he's looks fucking sharp. So I asked, I don't know what Longo told you, but I'm sure he's saying the same shit. Yeah. He's looking sharp. Yeah, as sharp. Date is Aljo is just a motivated. You know, he's not a guy that's just you know doing the bare minimum. He's he's fucking putting the work in. Yeah. So the and way- I think this could work to his advantage, having sort of the back-to-back training camps. No, Longo doesn't give us anything on the oh, show. It's just absolutely nothing. You know, the one thing I will just say about Aljamain Sterling is the championship pedigree. He's a great teammate. Certainly, you can speak to the work ethic. You know, but I'm not sure that I've ever heard. Other than Chris Weidman, actually, funny enough, I'm not sure I've ever heard training partners rave about a guy quite the way I've heard recently guys rave about Aljamain Sterling as a striker, as a grappler. We had Chris Curtis on the Anakin Florian podcast today and just talking about the extent to which Aljo is a problem and almost speaking in just these like fatal terms when he gets anywhere near your back. So I put Aljamain Sterling on a pedestal as the greatest bandweight of all time. Donna Cruz is one of my best friends in the world. And I got the whole fan base coming at me because I put Aljo on this pedestal that somehow they don't think he deserves. I have buckets of respect for Aljamain Sterling. I just think maybe uh, the betting line hasn't factored in some of the circumstances that he's dealing with in terms of the back-to-back weight cuts and uh, everything else. But gosh, Aljo leaves no stone unturned. And uh, there's a reason he's a near three-to-one favorite. Yeah, and then obviously, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Obviously, <laughs> he's got to close that distance. But the confidence of getting a little, like, fucking tank like Shahuto down that's gotta just that's nothing but confidence for the champ oh, and that's a harder that. initiative yeah first of yeah. all with those little legs to get him down is so difficult now he got taken down he got out of there and he won that round he's what a great fight with that shoot with his shoot with his shooter fight but that it, coming off of that fight that's a lot of confidence i don't give a shit i i mean taking him down now he's got those, those long arms yes at a distance they're a problem when you close the distance you got to you got long ass limbs to get a hold of that. Then they're going to be getting snatched. You know what I mean? So I, I just liked, I really just like the matchup. I do. You know, how great was this, uh, this last uh, Saturday's card? I mean, on one amazing fight after another. And we were talking about, uh, uh, Cub Swanson and, uh, uh Dawudu, Hakeem Dawudu. And, you know, again, refer judges do what judges do, but it's very frustrating when you see a guy, uh, and, and I like, you know, a Cubs a very humble guy and he's a very realistic guy, but I, I felt that Hakeem uh, won that fight. Uh, and I think a lot of people felt that way. How, how did you see it, John? Gosh, I feel like there are a few jobs harder in MMA than judge. The hardest job is fighter. I think second to that is judge and maybe third is referee. Sorry to the referees. And I always like to say commentator is a harder job than people want to yes, say. Yes, but this was particularly interesting because you actually had an athlete once he heard it was a unanimous decision clapping for his opponent as if he had won. So I don't know that we need anything else other than, than the fact that Cub Swanson, who has miles in the cage, thought that Hakeem Dawudu had won the fight and thought that he was down 2-0. But I think the judges are just getting too cute when it comes to the criteria. And anytime you question the criteria or question the judge's interpretation of it, you open yourself up to a criticism from a certain amount of the people. But I guess my interpretation of it, Jimmy, is that round one, like Cub Swanson maybe landed the single most damaging strike, a right hand, and... That was sort of the tipping point for them in a round that 99% of the MMA masses saw for Hakeem Dawadu. And then the judges really were, two of them were alive, but then Sal D'Amato gave round two uh, to Cub Swanson. And the other two had it, I think, probably firmly for Dawadu. So uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. I really don't know what to tell you other than that sometimes our sport just uh, is so intrinsic that it doesn't really lend itself to any criteria and ours is kind of trash. I really think that... Uh, judges, I mean, they, they should be held to some sort of a standard. The, the whole, like, hey, the, that's part of the fighting is bullshit because one bad decision can really change the trajectory of a fighter's career. And look, they're never going to get it 100%. And I know that some guys put more emphasis on grappling. Some guys put more, I, I, you know, I, I know that instinctively guys put more emphasis on certain things. But I do believe that with certain things, I mean, the Jared Gordon, Patty Pimblett fight, th- that there should be a way for fighters to protest 
maybe it's an official protest where other uh, three or four other referees or judges watch the fight and determine how how understandable or ridiculous your decision was. And I think you should have to defend your decision sometimes because these mistakes are costing guys places in the rankings, which could absolutely change whether or not they're up for a championship fight or not in, in, in a year. And it just drives me crazy when a guy works that hard. Um, and a close fight's a close fight, but when everyone sees it one way, except the judges, it's like, come on. I, I, I just think that was a, a poor decision. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me in the seat that I sit and I do have relationships with sort of commissioners and sure. judges, but yes, I would certainly like to see some accountability. I would like to see them take a microphone, but as respectfully as I can say this, they will always throw in your face. Well, this is how I interpreted the criteria. And that's why I scored the round this way. It's not going to be some back and forth Q and a, that would be their stance. And then you're also going to have commissioners who will, loyally and religiously defend judges who, if you look at their body of work, have been pretty darn good with the amount of rounds that they have been given. But I mean, I have ways that I think we could affect change very quickly, go to five judges instead of three, right? Incentivize former fighters somehow with pay to make it worth their while. But anytime you tell the John McCarthy's of the world that you want five judges, they say, oh, there's only 10 elite ones in the world. Now you're looking for five per show and there's so many different promotions. It's a really hard thing there. And then the open scoring thing, which I don't know how Maddie feels about this or you, but it effectively changes the sport. So I'm probably against it, right? But- Hakeem Dowdy certainly would sure as fuck want to know where he stands going into that third and final round. Would he not? I, and that's what I, I've been for it. I mean, again, I might not like it if I saw it regularly. Um, and I and I understand the excitement factor, but the excitement of us going, oh, who won is great. But who who won should be who legit won. Like, there's no excitement factor in baseball, football, any other sport. You know the score when there's a minute left. And look, if you do, if Hakeem Dawadu knew he was either tied at 1-1 in certain guys' minds, down 2 nothing, he might have fought that round differently. He might have taken chances that he didn't need to ch- to take or, or unnecessary chances knowing I'm down 2 nothing. So I, I do think, Bobby Green thought I was wrong to say this, but knowing this, sometimes if you know that the judging is bad, you would fight differently in the third and final round if you can't be sure that you're up 2 nothing or 4-1 or, or, or sorry, 3-1 to one or whatever it is. The flip side is you're up fucking four rounds. I'm staying away from the motherfucker. Ah, why should I fight him? Tag, you're it. Yeah, dude, fuck that. Boo. Every other sport you mentioned isn't fucking a pugilist fucking one-on-one fucking I'm better than you. It should come down to, all right, this is the last round. I might be ahead. I might not. What am I made of? Who wants it more? I want it more. I'm going to make sure this guy's done. So it shouldn't have to be like, oh, well, look, what is the word? Did I win that one? You know, listen, who knows? You got to work that out yourself. I don't like it. I think it's a buzz kill. I yeah, understand no, I think that. that's a good point. And I just don't want to put any more pressure on these athletes, Jim and Matt, right? That they look up at a scorecard and they're up and now why not get on a bicycle to Matt's point? Or if you're down, right, and maybe your cardio base isn't good enough for you to really push the envelope, people are booing you, you're down, and then you don't do anything in the round. You open yourself up to a bunch of criticism. These athletes get enough of that. I mean, you can, no, I'm just saying, like, you don't have the gas, but you don't want to get knocked the fuck out right. in that third round, right? So now, you know, Hakeem Dowdu maybe goes for it and gets knocked out. I don't know, Maddie, did you want to jump in there? No, 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 I don't, no, I'm definitely not cutting you off. But my thing was, all right, what about a round that should have been yours? You just found out it wasn't yours. Now you're like, hey, wait, what the fuck's going on? Exactly. You know I, mean? I just, I, don't I gotta, think it's I'm fair. about, how did I not win that last round? Yeah. How? I think the fighters have it? enough. I think the fighters yeah. have enough on them. I think it might even change the way they train if they have to deal with that. So I think if you ask the athletes, it would be really interesting just how split they would be as far as open scoring go, goes. But I think it just puts a whole lot more pressure on them in, in unique and different ways. And it's also, Matt, you said something about um, the guy who gets on his bike at the after four. And you do have that even now, though. I mean, we see it now, not maybe more if you knew you were up 4-1 instead of, hey, is it 3-1 or 4-0 or 3-0? Nothing, three nothing, all right, a little bit more. But guys who are on their bike, you can kind of see it happen now. Uh, guys are smart about it. They don't run in circles. But there's guys that stay away, and they don't take as many chances as they would if they knew it was 2-2. Or if they, if they fight differently than they would if they knew – uh, they were actually down 
three to one because these judges were just not seeing it the way that everybody else was seeing it. So yeah, I okay. think there's two points to it. I would like to just see it in practice once and see if I like it as a fan. Not only that, Jimmy, the, the text you sent to ask John Anik that special question, do you want me to sure. do, it? I do it now? Okay. Sure. Uh, Matt, make sure you ask John Anik if he's seen the, it just dropped yesterday, the latest um, looking for a fight. And I didn't text you back. I'm going to ask him now. Did you see the Boston episode of Dana White looking for a fight? It literally came out yesterday, John Attic. Jimmy wanted me to ask you that. Yeah, so, yeah. Was, was that Dana White in the uh, the getup at Boston Harbor Hotel? Is that where it was? Yes! Greatest hotel in the world. Assuredly, Dana's going to be there this week. That's where I took my family last year. The Boston Harbor Hotel is the greatest hotel in the world. But I recognize that. Outfit from a mile away. Yes, you had the line of all lines. He said perhaps power slap hasn't worked out, and that's why he was parking cars or whatever he was doing in the hub. <laughs> but no, I haven't seen the whole episode. But yes, I have seen the clip, and I will. Uh, I will be ingesting all of it at some point after UFC 292 because you know we got priorities. You do. Yeah, what you, a- you have uh, priorities. Um, Jimmy, thank you for. I'm glad you brought that up because I. Well, to- you know, I, was, I, I know you're embarrassed, but I want to. Jimmy, you embarrass me. Stop. I know. Stop. I know. No, some compliments. Hey. I can't help it. Anyway, so a lot of pressure else. though. A lot of pressure on Matt, Sarah, and Ray Longo, and Ray just texted yeah. me probably to apologize for his piss poor for performance on the Anakin Florian podcast this morning. But hey. no, I just like to take shots. You know, I just like to take shots. John Anik, listen. A lot of pressure on you guys this weekend. A lot of pressure. There <laughs> is, and can I just add, Longo is great on your podcast. You guys do have fun. Most I do. weeks he is. Most the, the, weeks he is. Today, not so good. I, how about this? The fact <laughs> that you're saying he was a grumpy Longo makes everybody want to listen to the Anik and Florian podcast. Yeah. Even more. You want uh, a, a grumpy Longo is hysterical, you know? Well, Anik. Ken Flo, I mean, they used to joke Ken Flo K-Swiss, right? Because he was Switzerland. Kenny's not going to go at Longo. Somebody's got to call him out in that setting. So, uh you know, but I do think it's uh, it's fascinating what is in front of all of you guys. And um, I, I'm excited for Chris. Yeah. Chris Wyman, this is the return of him. And he's fighting Tavares. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, Brad's a Brad's a, a game guy. That's the one thing you got to say about Brad. He's well-rounded and he's game on a on a, on a good night. He's a he's a hard fight for anybody. I mean, the guy's not going to stop coming. And this is a good test for Chris to be like, all right. Oh, do we still want this? I'm gonna, or do you still have it? That's what, not me. I know the answer to that. But yeah. for himself, you know, but everybody else is going to be like, this, the last time we saw this guy, his leg was in hand, you know? So this is his first fight since then. So it's very exciting. He's so competed since then in grappling. Right. So it's not like you think the leg's going to fall off, but will he kick with it? That is the question. Well, I can't wait to ask him what type of medals in there in our fighter meeting, you know, certainly kick somebody with the medal in your leg. But no, I mean, certainly the devastating nature of his injury and the layoff is factored into the betting line. And both of the handicappers on our podcast bet or picked Chris Weidman at plus 215. He's a pretty big underdog here. And certainly I think that speaks almost wholly to just the fact that he hasn't fought because I do think there are some things about this matchup that are favorable for Chris. You know, it's really weird seeing a number like that uh, next to his name. You know, so uh, we'll see what he can do. But I don't think he's going in there fearful. I think he's excited. He'll be excited to get those first 60 seconds out of the way. And uh, off he goes. What do you think Rose is going to do? It's been a while since we've seen Rose Namajunas. So she's moving up to flyweight to fight Manon Fjord in a few weeks in Paris. Oh. And that should be interesting. She likes to lift weights, always has. So, uh, yeah, probably an interesting test for her. Fjord is sort of the forgotten woman, despite the fact that she doesn't lose a lot, you know. So, uh but what yeah, that'll write? be interesting. What is she right? Gotta John? be in the top top two. Gotta be top two or three. I'm in all fewer. So yeah. But, I'm trying uh, to look her up. Hey, yeah. hey, uh, John Attic, what are you when you're not engulfed in your you know research with MMA? What are you and Mrs. Attic watching? What are you streaming? You guys have to be watching a show. You know, right now we are watching succession in its entirety. How is that show? What is it? It's about what is it? About? It's great. It's great. It's is the rock. Is that the rock? It's not no. the rock. No, the rock. Rock. no. It is. I rock. think it's on. I think it's on HBO Max. Jimmy, That's what we're watching right Jimmy. now. 
Well, I'll need a ballers or something. Jimmy, be quiet. You mean that was just a bad guess, though? No, it's Please. not a bad guess. The Rock had a TV show recently, didn't he? No, I know. Well, oh, Melissa called? McCarthy, wasn't she in The Godfather? I mean, it's not even... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. About success. John Attic. No, the times on the UFC pay-per-view Baller. broadcast. Jimmy, go ahead. The times on the UFC pay-per-view broadcast that I get most exposed are when we're doing pop cultural shit and we're showing sure. celebrities and I got to come up with that. I mean, I oftentimes marvel at my colleagues when we go out to dinner and they're talking about all these shows they watch. I did just watch a Netflix documentary on chimpanzees that was absolutely outstanding. I understand one of the producers was on the Joe Rogan experience talking about how they get that inside access, but I have three kids, 12 and under. I have all these fighters to study. People say, Oh, what are you doing? You're off week. It's like, well, I'm taping the Anakin Florian podcast. I'm voicing the next show. My schedule, guys, fourth quarter, and hopefully my bosses are listening and they don't add shows, right? This year has been so crazy that right now I have one pay-per-view in October, one in November, one in December. I got three shows the entire fourth quarter because this year has been so crazy. So, no, we don't watch a lot of TV here in Boca Raton, Florida, my man. Um, I hear what- Holy shit. Listen to me. Can I just give you a compliment right now? Joe Rogan, he's been quoted many a time saying, John Attic is the best play-by-play guy in the business. Doesn't that make you feel good? And look at you smiling, little guy. Sorry, John. I don't know. I know you well enough to go like this. Would it be weird if I was face-to-face with you and pinched your cheek? Is that we close enough? No. No, I would actually like that. I, I You're a pretty good hug. Jimmy, why do you cri- – I'm close enough to John to say stuff like that. I'm not saying it's wrong if you no, like pinch his cheek. Just, Jimmy sometimes gets cringy. He, he thinks like, I get cringy when he – He's making faces like a big no, kid. No, I don't, I don't mind. I'm I just, close with John Anik, buddy. I understand. I All understand. right, sorry. I right, listen. I apologize for that old pigeon cheat thing. I, I, I wouldn't do that to you. But anyway, please. Answer. Well, no, I, it's the most humbling stuff in the world, and he happens to be the most listened to man in the world. So when he says you're the goat, it. Uh, it carries a lot of weight. He's just a, a fine human being and such a great dude. And it always feels bigger and more dynamic when he is to my immediate right. And you can imagine the first time somebody sent me a video in which he said that the overwhelming Tell emotion that. That, that. that came over me. And when my family sees that, I mean, my twin brother, we got the same DNA when he sees that, right. It just is uh, yeah, it's a very special thing. And uh, want to stay that way though in his eyes right you know that's the that's the goal right as trite as that may sound but no his praise uh means the world and um i'm just trying like guys we're trying to make it as listenable as possible for seven eight hours and not get in the way of the live sporting event i've said this to you guys before but that is the the that is the crux of it right like we're trying to not get in the way so when people say you enhance the sporting event or oh we miss you guys when you're not there that's the ultimate praise so hopefully we can add to ufc 292 and not take away from the live event yeah here's one reason rose might be moving up if she's gonna fight uh hey say her name manofia fior perfect okay uh and look uh, you know a grasso shevchenko i'm sure will fight again so maybe she wants to either fight blanchfield after that or be in line for the title um if rose if rose has a good showing against uh fewer maybe she has a shot at that title uh after shevchenko fights grasso yeah so sometimes when we have these conversations i forget what fights are out there and what i'm not supposed to put out there maybe fights that i know only for preparation purposes right so i do believe aaron blanchfield has a fight that is out there but the division is absolutely fascinating this is not promotional hyperbole the women's flyweight division has never been more fascinating than it is in august of 2023 the belt's on the line next month a fight night built around at mexican independence day grasso defending against shevchenko buckets of pressure i think on both of them but on shevchenko obviously to not lose twice to grasso amanda nunez had a similar pressure against juliana pena and came through with flying colors so yeah the division's in great form and i think for rose nama I mean, Rose and Valentina are pretty close, but who knows? I think for a lot of these flyweight contenders, Jimmy, they're just hopeful that Shevchenko doesn't dust Grasso real quick and then a trilogy. And they, you know, they want to keep things moving. And the best way for that to happen would be for Grasso to win. Yes. And uh, the fight, I believe, is uh, Blanchfield against Tyus Santos in Singapore, our producer. So it's number three versus number four. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Rose at that weight. That'd be really interesting. And what do you think of uh, 
of uh, uh, Zhang Wiley in, in her fight uh, uh, in the co-main. Yeah, so Blanchfield and Santos, yeah, that's 12 days away as we sit here talking right now. I didn't realize it was that close, but Zhang Weili fighting Amanda Lemos, and Lemos is a really interesting title challenger because she goes for it and sometimes at her own peril, but she has power in both her hands, and you just got to be careful you're not too willing against someone like Zhang Weili because she is just such a special athlete and fighter and just willing to accrue knowledge and just work. Right. Like I say to my 12 year old daughter, like, unfortunately you have no modicum of a clue what hard work is. I hope at some point you realize what that is and maybe seventh grade right now will be the year, but John Wei Lee loves hard work. She yeah. eats hard work and she's already so good and gifted to begin with. So this price has been bet up pretty consistently. You know, Zhang Weili taking action right now, if you're curious on that. But I do like Amanda Lemos in terms of her approach. She's got BJJ skills as well. Maddie, she'll choke you to sleep. But, uh, you know, beating Zhang Weili in Boston is uh, is a big ask. But we'll see what she can do. It, it is interesting what happens to some people. Like, when you look at, like, uh, the way Arani Aldana fought against uh, Amanda it was it was such an odd performance because you know she's a better fighter than that and and i guess that when that kind of pressure is on or when you're fighting somebody of that magnitude i guess it does affect some fighters a certain way like they become overwhelmed by the moment i think i saw it with um eddie alvarez i felt like against connor had that, that. I, I think eddie was a much better fighter than he you know i just think that the fact the whole garden was rooting for connor might have affected him so it's interesting to see how fighters are sometimes affected by the situation uh and and what it does to them in the cage yeah no that's fair absolutely i think there are a lot of different emotions at play Zhang Wei Li didn't deal well at all with booze against rose nama Yunus and uh aljamain sterling i think has dealt really well with a lot of different crowd variables and i really do hope that uh he leaves his new york yankees hat at home when he comes to boston because i yeah. do think that this will be a willing northeastern audience to support him but maddie like Tell Alja, like I said this to his face in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm not even trying to be funny because I'm close with your team. Like, sure. don't bring your Yankees hat to Boston. Yeah, they want to like him. Fuck all that baseball shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Listen, man, Attic, we're going to hang out, bro. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. Much props to the great Vincente Luque. Because I'll tell you right now, RDA is no lemon. And, uh, you know, he just outfought him. If anything was close to being equal, the size definitely was in the favor of, of Vicente. You know, I think it was just a little, a little too much for Vicente's not making 155. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, know. that was that was most notable to Kenny Florian to be sure was just how good and how big Vicente Luque looked in the weight class. And I think Rafael Dos Anjos, certainly in certain matchups, Brian Barberina and others is going to be able to use his skill and not size to uh, to get the job done. But he's always going to relinquish size. And I would prefer to see RDA at this stage of his career fight closer to his natural weight and compete at welterweight. But this opens up a lot of possibilities for Vicente Luque, who's just a really good dude and because of some recent losses and obviously dealing with some of the brain situation, uh, he was kind of cast out of this welterweight mix. And now his next fight is going to be a big one, almost whoever yeah. it's against. So I feel really happy for just a good dude, good team. And uh, I think the real issue right now at welterweight is that a lot of these guys are kill cliff FC. They probably don't want to fight each other unless it's in a championship setting. And one of the guys who isn't Killcliffe FC, Bilal Muhammad, is waiting for a title shot, and so is Colby Covington. So uh, I don't know. Things might be a little bit muddy at welterweight for a while, but I'm happy for Vicente. I thought he looked great. He turned the grappling on RDA, and uh, it was a great performance. John Anik, thank you, sir, as always. Uh, Anik and Florian, where can people get it, and what, what day of the week? We're on the DraftKings YouTube channel twice a week, and then uh, wherever you ingest your podcast. Thank you guys for having me. We're very excited for this week, and uh, – Let's not be strangers, boys. Yeah, I'm man. It's always good there. talking to you. I'm going to see you out there, bro. I'm going to say hello. I'm not, no. I, dude, by the way, I don't know what got over me. Dude. I'm not, I'm not going to touch your cheek. We're grown men. I'm yeah, not going to. I'll give you a, I'll give you a bro hug. I'll give you an ass out hug. I, I'm, it's almost, I feel like I'm going to get me dude. I didn't mean that about touching your cheeks. Hey, it's all good. I'm just going to continue to put pressure on team Sarah Longo. Every time I get face to face with you boys, no pressure. Big things, August 19th. Thank you guys. We'll see you soon. Take care, buddy. Be Bye, John. Anik. 
Jimmy, don't you hang up. I'm not, Matt. Well, we were done, but I mean, it was a fun show. Damn, Jimmy, I could be awkward. What is this, awkward day for me? Nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with that? You want to pinch John's cheeks and just kind of looked at you like, all right. <laughs> what do you want to promote, Jimmy? What do you want to promote? I got it. We have to end this. What do no, I want to promote? Really- um, a new MMA podcast. Uh, no, I... <laughs> Thank you to Andre Petrosky and, of course, John Anik. Uh Nothing, Matt. Uh, September 28th, nope. thank, thank you to everybody in um, uh, Albuquerque who came to my show. It was a great night. I love Albuquerque. The food is awesome. Really nice people. It's a fun city, man. And um, see me September 28th in Toronto. Well, Jimmy, you know where you can see me? On the latest episode of Dana White for a fight, Boston. You type in Boston. And, you, and then next thing you know... Me and Dean Thomas and Dana are having our little adventures. Have fun. Did we find a new fighter? You got to watch. All right. right, See you Wednesday. Bye, buddy. Thank you. Bye, Jimmy. I had a lot of fun today. Me too. (laughs) What are you eating, you little porker? I have a couple almonds. I'm trying to eat better because I'm a fat boy. All right. We didn't need to know all that. Bye, Jimmy. Thank you. Goodbye. I love you, buddy. I love you too.